All right, hello and welcome, Critical Conversations. Oh my gosh, Blanca is joining today's episode. Um, I'm so excited today. I have my neighbor, Andrea, here. Um, and she is the intro for you. I've been thinking about this. So I'm really excited because when I first met you, you were pregnant yep. with Evelyn. And um, or may, I don't know, we moved in when Evelyn was two weeks old. Okay, yeah. so you just had yes, just had you Evelyn. had just had Evelyn, yeah. who is a year older than my daughter, um, and you know, just kind of casually walking by. I think we were like decorating for Christmas, so yes. maybe it was like after you had already moved in. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I remember thinking this woman is a powerhouse because you have the demeanor of a woman on fire. And as I've gotten to know you over the years now, um, I've learned that your power is something that you've had to really harness yes. and own yeah. because of your profession. Yes. And it's interesting when I was asking you yesterday, what do you want to talk about? I was like, oh shit, this is why I asked her to be on my show. So Andrea is a doctor. She's a physician. She gives me <laughs> advice all the time. <laughs> Um, and I appreciate it so much. And I've really enjoyed getting to know you over the years and creating now what I would consider a good friendship with you, yeah. where I feel like I can trust you with some intimate details of my life. But, but I think the perception early on was like, I'm afraid of her yeah. because she, you came off as this confident, like you're a doctor, you're moving, you're going places, you're doing things. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of people know what to do with that. And yeah. so that's kind of what we're talking about today in Critical Conversations. Sorry. Blanca's, <laughs> Blanca really, really loves Andrea too, um, because Andrea has a dog, Iggy, that is Blanca's best friend. Mm -hmm. um, so Andrea, why don't you give a little intro about yourself mm -hmm. and, um, and then we'll get into the conversation. Yeah. Um, Andrea, I am an internal medicine, bariatric medicine physician. Down. Get down. No more. I've <laughs> been out of residency Come for on. eight years. Um, have two children. Like, to stay active with biking. And uh, Blanca, here. Come hang here. out with uh, Miss Carissa. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're an avid biker. Yeah. You're really into, um, I've watched your journey of, you know, really transforming your whole physical well-being, yeah. your mental, like, emotional. We've had conversations. I think I turned you on to Brene Brown yes. at some point. Yes, you did. Um, so when we started talking about what we were going to talk about, mm -hmm. you mentioned women and judgment. Yes. Tell me about this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all of all of the things from all the levels. Um, you know, just the way that we uh, judge our friends, we judge other women, women to women judgment, and then just how that interplays in my professional nature. Um, when I started working where I work now for eight years, there's a lot of great education that goes on with patient interaction and how to, you know, be a more successful communicator. And what just keeps coming up, which is what I also run into in my practice, is that women judge women on a much harsher level. Um, they've even studied it and they found they studied like 15,000 patients and they found that women who women patients who saw women physicians gave them 18% of the time gave them a lesser score than a male physician for a very similar reaction. 18%. 18% of the time. 
Why do you, why? I, I mean, I, I think we, um, I think part of it is the whole, you know, women competition, you know, we're kind of competing with each other, even though like we know we're not, and we're working towards that, um, looking up with lots of great work in our community, but there still is, I think, just that underlying, you know, subconscious thing. And I think there's also this kind of expectation of, they are, we want them to be in a position of power. Like people choose women to be their position, but then they rate them harsher and they expect more out of them. Yeah. And I think it's just because we just are in competition with them and expect the best. Cause what if we were in that position? Like as a female, I think we're thinking we, that person would be us in that perfect, yeah. be a perfect person. So it's interesting when I work with clients, mm -hmm. um, judgment mm -hmm. is a huge topic, huge topic. So tell me when you hear the statement, what we judge in others is really a reflection of uh, ourselves. Right. What does that mean for you in the workplace? Um, I think early on, there's this kind of perfectionist kind of drive. Yeah. And it's very common because um, most people who are positions are type A. Uh, right it's very organized very organized yes. very go-getters yeah like we've been taught you know from a young age especially uh, in my generation of 42 of just being kind of perfection and any showing any weakness it's showing any non-perfection as weakness and so I think that is probably how I manifest that yeah in um in that judgment being what I am what I would be seeing kind of reflected back um, but learning that, you know, no one is perfect. And the more we humanize ourselves, the better the outcomes and the better the relationships. But I think that's kind of where that comes from for me. Yeah. So I have so many questions. <laughs> I'm trying to like, I wrote a couple things yeah. down. But the first one I think I want to ask is when you, when, if we think about this 18%, mm -hmm. you also mentioned in when we were texting yesterday, that there's a lot and you mentioned it now the vulnerability piece yeah are women less likely to give vulnerable information to their doctors i think they're more likely to give that vulnerable information to their doctors but i think then they expect um a significant different response than a male physician would have okay tell me more about that so i think they expect them to be their physician but i think they also expect them to be their friends and their confidants and all of these things that we would love to fulfill, but it is hard for one person to have that fulfillment and also remain objective in your care. Cause that's why you come to, a, you come to a professional is for them to be objective. Right. And make those good decisions without being too close to you. Yeah. Like they want to be close to you, but we don't be, we don't treat our family members because we can't be objective with ourselves or our family members. And so I think that Got is it. challenging. Okay. And then we're also taught as women physicians to not be vulnerable. So they're, they actually, yes, you got to tell me about this because this yeah. is blowing my mind. Yeah. In residency and in medical school, you're taught, you know, not to be vulnerable. You're taught, you know, even though 52% uh, of all med students are female and rising, they, because it's still newer that females are physicians, even yeah. though it's not, um, there's just is this you can't you can't be vulnerable. Um, never bake, never bring food for for uh, to say thank you at the end of a thing because that's too feminine. Oh wow! Um, don't dress too femininely. Don't like you know just kind of all these things about kind of like neutering yourself down or neutralizing yourself into this kind of 
robots of perfectionism and not showing your vulnerability because then you would perhaps be showing that you don't know what the answer is or that you're not perfect. So it's kind of back to that perfectionism. My brain hurts. Okay, so if we're talking about vulnerability of perfectionism, how has this negatively impacted your career? Well, when you get out into practice, it turns out that people want to see a little vulnerability and they want to see that you're not correct when you're kind of building that relationship with them. And so that was very challenging since that was really kind of shoved into me for seven years. Right. So now eight-ish years out. And with a lot of education from uh, my employer, I've been able to kind of like debunk it, debunk that. But early on, it also really manifested in my personal relationships because, you know, I had to be this kind of like perfect person and yeah. I had to be, you know, correct or, or put an answer, you know, so you just, it was challenging. You couldn't yeah. really be vulnerable in any part of your life. Yeah. Wow. So what was the thing that really helped you overcome and identify that, okay, I can show some, I mean, obviously there's a professionalism that will Mm -hmm. always exist, but what was the, I mean, you mentioned your, your employer really helping. Was there one thing that you can pinpoint or maybe a couple things that really helped like unlock the concept that like, (laughs) she loves it. Can I climb in your yes. vagina, yes. please? Can you, can you want to get my uterus? <laughs> That's her MO. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a couple and a mentor, you know, both just kind of say like, you know, hey, like in your line of work now, like you can be like, they don't want perfection. If you don't know, they would rather have you say, I don't know. They want to see kind of the human side of you. Like they love like your patients love if you put. Um, pictures in your room mm-hmm. that kind of humanize okay. it and make a way to kind of do it. And then I started because it's a lot to be told to do something and then told not to do it or to kind of pull it back a little bit. And so, because um, people were like, she's really harsh. <laughs> like, yeah. That's because I've been trained in the ICU to save your life. Right. So it's hard when we're talking about like your knee pain. Right. Um, so it really helped as I first went to humor. Okay. Yes. So I would first like kind of, you know, pretend to slip off of a chair or kind of trip as I entered the room or, you know, do something like somewhat intentional or make a bad joke. Yeah. That was very safe. Yeah. Um, Or something that kind of, and I found like that was a great way to be connecting, but I still probably was, I still honestly wasn't being very vulnerable, Yeah. but it was a nice kind of bridge to people thinking that I was yeah. having a deeper connection was perfect. Okay. So really one of the ways in which you've identified allowing yourself to be vulnerable is through utilizing imperfection. Yes. Okay. Yes. So would Physical you s- imperfection. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say that perfection or vulnerability is imperfection? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think no one's perfect and we need to learn. Like that's how we learn and get bigger and better yeah. and stronger and smarter and everything. Yeah. So yeah, I would say it's the enemy. The perfection is enemy of vulnerability. Yeah. And how does it play out that you've seen as a doctor in a male dominated industry, mm-hmm. right? It's, yeah. you, as you said, it's just now kind of balancing itself out. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you seen that 
with your coworkers that are identifying as male? Uh, luckily enough, my coworkers are all very awesome, and we are female-led. Awesome. Uh, most parts of, of our organization and in our just local um, leadership. Um, and it does help that the few men who are in a position of power in our in our office are uh, married to very strong, um, willed, similar personalities. So they completely understand the dynamic. Um, and a lot of them are trained more at the age of me. Yeah. And so they have, you know, coming to it a little bit more of a similar experience. Um, yeah. So everyone that I interact with on the, on the professional level is fantastic. Um, and very aware because they're also taking these classes and also interacting and wanting to strive to have better relationships with their coworkers and their patients. Yeah. It's mostly the dynamic of the patients. And then sometimes some of the, the staff we've had to kind of work on a little bit. There's just like an expectation. You can't be, you have to be nicer to the to staff, which I'm always nice, but you have to be like extra nice yeah. um, to staff um, versus like a male position could say something significantly less nice and not like not get in trouble yeah. or have the ne- negative ramifications. Okay. Okay. So if we are talking about, you know, being vulnerable in the workplace, mm-hmm. what's the boundary for you? It's a good question. I think it's kind of, it's, it can be kind of variable depending on the topic. Um, and I think it's also, you have to be a little variable because some patients who I've known for, I've had some patients that I've, they've been with me since I started there. Yeah. And so I feel like that, you know, I can kind of read the situation depending on the severity or what needs to be like, I can, yeah. you know, have a little bit more of a, of a personal relationship. I have a personal relationship. You have too. a very personal, relationship. Uh, personal relationship <laughs> with them yeah. and have that, that wall come down a little bit more, but definitely like, yeah, the um, especially older patients, and they found that in this the study that I referenced that older patients, older women, were harsher on female physicians and were more likely to give them a less score. Um, so I feel like, especially with newer patients, especially if they're we're learning, yes, if yeah. they're older and they're from a different generation, um, I definitely keep you know the keep the vulnerability mostly just to humor, right. And I'm kind and stuff and make a, a nice connection, but I'm just a little bit more cautious. Yeah. And so I have a little bit higher boundaries. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's interesting that we got to boundaries through all of this because one of the hot topics I've been having with clients lately is around how a bound a, a good boundary really is not hard and fast. Right. It does have variables in it. And can you tell me more about how that has helped you mm-hmm. be more relatable to your clients? Yeah, I'd say that. So professionally, we tend not to, sh- we don't share our personal information, our personal experiences, because it's just, it's subject, it's subjective, it's not objective. But sometimes I have patients that are struggling with different issues and they want to know. So the easiest way they'll want to know is like, what would you do for your family? I'm like, well, it's still like subjective and not objective. Um, and it's still kind of a boundary, but like, sometimes I can just like, you can just read the patient and they just really need a more personal. And so I'll just say, first I'll start with like, my patients tell me this, even though it could be my personal or my family's experience. But yeah. if I really know them, I really can tell that they need that, like the, that confirmation, that confirmation, or, yeah. and that more kind of intimate information and a reassurance Then I, you know, I will say like, oh, my family 
you know, had a similar issue and this is what they found was successful or not successful. And then I do have a couple of patients that I will, you know, uh, definitely depending on the subject, we'll, yeah. we'll say, oh yeah, I've, I've had a really bad tennis all before. Yeah. And I did all the OT and it fixed it. And then my son pulled it back out and had to get three series of injections. Yeah. So like, and that was, I think, really helpful for that patient because they were struggling with thinking that they could, it would should be done by now. Because right. Most ninety percent of tennis elbow gets better with very few interventions. So they were in that ten percent, like I was, and they were kind of questioning going to OT. And so it helped that I was like, "No, it actually works. You actually do it virtually, and it actually works really, really well. You don't have to drive anywhere. It's amazing." But if there's another option too, and it is painful, but it does make it better. So I think it was. It gave them more reassurance that yeah, I really knew what I was talking about. Yeah, and they were confident that they were happy. Yeah, I feel like there's a piece of vulnerability, boundaries, all these things, values, even like, I mean, all these buzzwords that it's like in sharing your experience. I think I ask you all the time, just tell me what to do. Like, I don't really care. You're the expert. Like, and so I think when you have that boundary, Mm -hmm. it's important to sustain. I am the expert. Yeah. Yes. And that's where it gets yes. muddy. It is very muddy. So when you we're talking about the older generation of women and the newer, yeah. we're learning. Yes. We're, we're learning. learning. Um, and I think that, have you pinpointed what changed for women in medicine? It's just more of us. Just more of you? More <laughs> I think, impact? I mean, I think that's helpful. And then I think the whole, just how the whole culture is changing you know the me too movement and there being more women in all workplaces yeah and a lot of males work with are often male physicians are often married to female physicians so i think that always helps when you see your Mm. own you know um, sister or mother having the same okay running into the same thing so you can kind of get more of a personal perspective on it yeah and i think just time but it's just been i mean there's still many things that are not created equal um, and there was a women in medicine conference that was lovely in um, the fall of 19. And it, it talked about like, maybe we just need to blow up the system that is made not for us. Right. Yeah. Because we often, some physicians get compensated or rated or partnered based off of a score called Presbini, even though we know that this study, the 18% was not, is not a new study. It's just the most recent study. It was yeah. the largest, but if we know that at least one fifth of the comments are going to be less for the same work output and experience. Yeah. It's like, why are we basing potential compensation or partnership or advancement in career on that yeah. tool? Okay. Right? That's not, yeah. So it's kind yeah. of, it's kind of hard because it can kind of come at you. Even if your local employers are great and fantastic and supportive. Yeah. But also, but then you have like this, Overall, this is how we rate people. This is just how we've always done it. This is how we do it. So it's right. kind of like, you know. Yeah, I think the whole this is how we've done it mm-hmm. is is what's killing us yeah. as a society. Yeah. Because we are meant to change. Because let's yeah. be honest, if this is how we've done it, we'd all be with fucking plows yeah. out in the field yeah. <laughs> with our cows and horses and pigs. We'd still be smoking the office. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We'd yeah. still be smoking. We'd yeah. be giving babies biking it or alcohol I don't know what we give whiskey in the bottle uh so I do want to ask and and I want to ask because I think that this is this is like the big change and I think one of the things I've always admired about you is 
you probably were one of the first women mm-hmm. I had intimately gotten to know that were the financial breadwinner mm-hmm. of a family. Yeah. Because, and, and it like, I'm getting like emotional. I kind of want to cry because that feels so sad Yeah, to oh, think yeah. that. And so you brought up pay and compensation. Yeah. Yeah. How has this played out for you in the workplace? Yeah. I mean, um, luckily enough, we aren't super like tied to so it, <laughs> but a lot of places are, yeah. but it did, it did delay my um, partnership into my group. Yeah. Um, so advancement in career. Yeah. Um, so luckily enough, it's not a huge part of our financial aspect, but it did delay. And that was something that I really wanted and I'm partner now and it's fine, but it just was, it was, it was challenging, um, you know, to know that, that it was an imperfect scale, but this is really what was kind of pulling me back. And yes, you know, I did the work that I needed to and things got better and it, and it helped. And I'm glad that, you know, I was kind of confronted with, but you need to do a little bit more work here, but it was also just very challenging because I felt like it was this huge like block and I felt like, well, yeah. I've been told to do this and I'm told to do this. And then at home, I'm supposed to do this. And then, yeah. you know, and then, you know, you know, are you this boss here and then not the boss here? Right. You have to be vulnerable here and not vulnerable yeah. there. Like, it's just, yeah, it just was very um, challenging. Yeah. And I'm glad that was three or four years ago because it was yeah. very, it was very challenging. And it was like postpartum with my second child and yeah. Trying to navigate yeah, the, trying ca- to navigate. the cage. Yes. yes. It's like, it's like you basically go from, I have to be in this cage yeah. and, and be the good wife. Yes. And then I have to go into this cage and be the good doctor. Mm-hmm. And then I have to go over here, be the good daughter, be the yeah. good sister. Like, yeah. it's like women, this is what makes me emotional is that women are caged in. And that has been my experience in life yeah. is I went from being the good daughter. Well, you find a man to take care of you. Right. Exactly. And you yeah, rely. Your dad gives you away. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, you're in another cage. Yeah. And I remember, you know, looking at you and being like, fuck, she looks so free. Yeah. But you weren't. No. No, no, not at all. And yeah, no, it is just super, super, super challenging. Yeah. Um, and I think women in our kind of generation, 30s and 40s, have the worst because we grew up in that, you know, atomic family, nuclear family, wrong word. <laughs> Same concept, right? Same concept. Same concept. Sounds like. Um, so we grew up in that nuclear family yeah. of the traditional roles, right. most of us. And, but then we are now like liberated, like, right. We can yeah. do whatever we want to do. We can be those professionals. We can yeah. work more than full time. We can have babies. We can take care of them. Like we can do those things, but yeah. it's too much if we're doing all of those, all of it. And then our partners were also in that trained in that thing. So yes, they're trying to be yeah partners, but really they, I mean, everyone is innately lazy and we all go back to being lazy. I'm even lazy. And so, I mean, they like we're doing the majority of the lifting and we all know that oh yeah and it is just beyond challenging because you just can't and then you're kind of gaslighted and like told why can't you be better yeah right do more do more and do more <laughs> be kinder but be smarter but be faster yeah but also make the money yeah. yeah it's like the whole like with the barbie movie with um yeah i forget her name had that little speech about you can't be too pretty or yes. pretty. And, oh my God. I love her. I don't know her name either. Yeah, I'll have to find it and I'll put it in the yeah. notes, but she's a badass. And that speech yeah. 
that is that is it. Yeah. it and it and the whole and it's so crazy to me how our daughters mm-hmm. get to grow up in something very different yes but i remember how hard it was even in my marriage where nigel is a very women like he's yeah. like you want to get it great oh yeah you can like, drive that truck yeah like women can do anything like oh, yeah. all his employees are basically women he yeah. loves women yeah. and but even in that in that dynamic it's like well but like why do women have to cook why do right. i have to clean the house oh yeah why do i have to do like because it's a subconscious like role exactly automatically yeah. yeah and it was like the early part of our marriage was me taking all that on because i was gonna be the good wife right yeah and then I got to that point where I was like, fuck this. Yeah. You can do dishes too. Right. Like exactly. your hands aren't broke. Yeah. You oh, know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so tell me, you know, what, what we're going to get to wrapping this up here, but I want to know what your vision is for, you know, the younger generation for even women who, you know, we see things all the time where it's like, it's never too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's probably a lot of women who might find this podcast and be like, I still want to be a doctor mm-hmm. or I still want to do the thing. Yeah. What are your thoughts? What do you want to, what do you want those women to know? Yeah. It's never too late. Always try. You can always make um, changes in your life. Even if they're small, mindset shifts are huge. Um, and that you really can do anything and you should really support the women who are around you. Um, bike racing really taught me that like, We'll be racing each other and we're like cheering each other on, even though that person just passed me Yeah, and I'm really sad and, and not, you know, I'm like internally very sad with myself that I couldn't, that they were able to pass me, but we're still just cheering each other on because yeah, in, at the end you're competing with yourself. Um, you're not competing with others and you can do anything you want to do. Um, you just gotta do it. Yeah. Okay. This question yeah. you, you gave to me. So. You said mind shit, mind shit, mind shift. Yes. Shift. It means so much. Okay. Yes. And because you are, um, what we, what do we call Western medicine doctor? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So you're a Western medicine doctor. Mm-hmm. How, how important is your physical well being with your mind? Oh, so important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're interplayed. Like, right. If you, if you feel poorly, if your back hurts, your mind hurts. If your mind hurts, if you're depressed, your back hurts. Like it's, they're just, it's a, it's connection. There's, there's completely, there's huge connections with almost every part of your body and your mind. They completely interact, engage. Yeah. And sometimes if your body's not great, like the mind shift can help. And I personally learned that through athletics, like, especially this year, um, it was kind of a rougher year. So I just like really worked on my mind set and it actually gave me a better result than working just on the physical aspect yeah Yeah. um and yeah so it can just be huge whether it's a long-term mind shift or it's even just in the moments while you're trying to do something you know taking that second to breathe or having that next goal or whatever your thing is it it can be huge yeah so really do you agree with the statement that we can do anything if we choose it in our mind first we can overcome it. We can be. Yeah, I mean, we can't fly, but yes. Well, for both. <laughs> yeah, you can. Well, I mean, technically, but, you could. You could jump up. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yes, I, I think so, and and it might, and I think also we have to be, um, the whole detachment from the outcome, but also we have to know that the timeline is not ours. Oh, right. Yeah. So, like, 
yes, you can do anything, but it, it might not happen tomorrow. Yeah. You have to persevere. Yeah. It might yeah. happen in two years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've watched you go from like, oh, I'm going to go on a, I'm going to buy a bike right. and ride on the road to yeah. like, now you're doing these crazy things, but yeah. it's like you're cross training. You're, yeah. And you, and you don't give up. Yeah. You don't give up. You're like, oh, I'm sick. I haven't gone in a week or, yeah. oh, we were on vacation. Yeah. But it's like you, it's the prioritization. Yes. And I sought help. Yeah. Like, I got a coach. I, um, who then suggested a physical therapist, right? And so, yeah. like, I've, like, up to my team of supporters. Um, and sometimes, you know, you can't have, you can have support from your family and friends, but sometimes you need that expert support. And yeah. so, really, like, hiring a, a cycling coach um, was amazing. And that really helped, especially with the mindset, just shift that. I yeah. would not, I could have probably gotten there, but I think I definitely got there several years earlier. Yeah. And then having her being so supportive and then leading me towards like, hey, let's expand your team. Like, maybe you just need a visit. Oh, look, yeah. your back pain's gone. Mm-hmm. Even being a physician, maybe this is why you don't physician yourself. Right. Right. I could have would have told myself if I came to my office what to do. But Oh, my God. Yeah. We cannot take our own advice. No, we take our I own mean, advice. that is why I continue to yes. pay for coaching and yeah. mentorship because yes. I do need that outside third eye view yes. to help call me on I'm like even today I had my call with my mentor this morning and she's like but you're not doing it and I'm like but I thought I was and oh, she's yeah. like no I'm looking at the outside yeah. in but I think that also ties into we have to trust each other as women yes and support each other yes. as women and like I even think about our relationship where like in the beginning I was like well I can't be friends with her <laughs> because I'm not a professional and she's gonna think that you know it's like mm-hmm. I was perceiving things and I'm sure it was vice versa but it's like you know even with age difference it's Mm -hmm. like here we are like we went out to dinner we Mm -hmm. had the best time you're on Mm -hmm. my podcast so I think it's really like the message Mm -hmm. is that as women Mm -hmm. we can change yeah we can evolve Mm -hmm. we do deserve equal pay yep we do deserve to be uncaged yes. wherever, whatever our life looked like. Yes. If, if you want to be Betty Crocker and be in the that's home, that's, that's awesome. What you want to do. If that's what you want to do. But you should feel like you want to do that and not you're forced to do that. Exactly. But if you're forced to do that and you can't get out, then shift your mindset. No, yeah. that's horrible. No. Sounds horrible. Call us. Call us. Find a friend. We will, we will come kidnap you and yeah. <laughs> we will liberate you. If we need, a, we need a community, I think we got away from that during COVID. We, you know, our community is kind yeah. of strong. Absolutely. And we need that. And we need people that reflect back um, to us what we're doing and, and help us. And Yeah. What is there any final thoughts that you have? Anything that you want to share about women in the workplace? Um, I would just say always give anyone a benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. um, that we're all trying our hardest. And even the professional who should be like happy and perfect and making good decisions might have been up with a sick kid the night before or might be having you know their family might be having some illness or they're depressed or something else and so just I think always assume the best intention yeah and then just be kind so you're not perfect no I mean I think that would be boring it would be so boring I say it all the time to people like do you want to live on the Truman show yeah no no No. that's that is the truth like if we if we could look at each other imperfect mm-hmm. but whole, yeah. yeah, like because we're all on a journey. Yeah, we're all on a journey, and we should support each other whenever we. Yeah, 
I love it. Thank you so much, Andrea, yeah, for coming you. on my podcast. And thank you all for joining us wherever you are in the world. And we'll look forward to having you on the next conversation.